0: Don't be content, be willing to grow. Those leaders who are most successful are never content. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer.
1: Welcome to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer. They call me the Vibrant Coach, and I am here with Kelly Beattie today. She is the president of First Star Consulting Group and an expert in train-the-trainer programs for diversity, equity, and inclusion. She provides teams and executives with the tools they need to feel emotionally comfortable dealing with some of the most contentious social topics of today. With nearly three decades of experience in emotional intelligence training, Kelly has become a renowned guide in the area of leadership development. So we are going to be two peas in a pod because right prior to beginning, she told me she was in Michigan. So I've got a little bit of that Midwest, Michigan, Ohio blood in me. Good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, went to high school in Toledo, Ohio, and then shortly thereafter, I moved up to Michigan. I lived uh, in Dearborn. And uh, are you familiar? Do you remember, Kelly, the Bill Knapp's restaurant? Do you remember this thing called the Bill Knapp's restaurant? (laughs) So I I worked there. I worked there for about six years of my life, and I just adored it. And they told me it's gone, which blows my mind, but um, probably had something to do with Leadership, but anyway, uh, I I love talking to uh, Michigander as we like to call them. So the first question out of the gate, uh, Kelly, is always, uh, how do you define leadership? I'd love to know your answer to that.
0: Well, I define leadership as the ability to influence others' behavior regardless of title. I don't need to have a big fancy tighter title to be a leader. Organizations, as you're talking about culture, organizations have informal leaders throughout, and they can either be positive influencers, positive leaders, or they can be negative. And so leadership is really about being able to influence behavior regardless of the title that you hold.
1: Mm, I love your I love your definition. Right. So uh, it's influence. Everybody's an influencer. Everybody's leader. Okay, so you hit on 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 a subject. So when I teach about leadership, I talk about positive influence. And you said they either have a positive or a negative. So will you do me a little favor and kind of talk about what a positive
0: leader with positive influence does? Absolutely. These are, these are the people within the organization that are the role models. They are the ones that they lead by example, and they are the ones that are emulating the behaviors that the organization desires. So most organizations have a set of values that they live by. And these positive leaders are those that are personifying those values so if you're talking about teamwork, what does it mean to be a good team player being part of that team they're the ones that are emulating those behaviors okay fantastic all right well let's go to the dark
1: side what about the negative leaders because um, buddy they're alive and well out there so
0: what are some things you that you see people doing that have the negative influence over things Absolutely. These are these are the these are the people within the organization that um, oftentimes have stronger influence because of the negative side of things. People are often drawn. Um, these are the folks that are undermining the organization. They are They are holding the organization back um, due to either lack of commitment to change or unwillingness. You have a group of people when you have a negative leader who are gossiping and stirring things up uh, and really, really causing significant challenges for the organization to be able to accomplish their goals.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think you totally nailed it that sometimes for whatever reason, they have a strong pull on people, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, you know, I don't, I'm a little curious about why we're not drawn to the light, why we're drawn to the darkness. Um, So, you know, pay attention out there. Um, But I love what you said about a lack of willingness. So uh, for for those listeners who have heard me say this before, I'm going to say it again. I think willingness, Kelly, is the ultimate trait. Of a leader,
0: absolutely. Uh,
1: and I have a little definition um, that I got from Mike Kornacki's book, and it, it says uh, willingness is the ability to do what needs to be done without reservation, refusal, or judgment. You just get oh, them <laughs> Yeah. So, what would what, how would you add to that or shape that a little bit? What 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 do
0: you think about uh, why is willingness so important? I think this is a huge huge subject. It it, it really is because. The willingness is that investment in the in whatever has to get done. If I am a strong leader and my organization needs me to stay late um, in order to help prepare for a big presentation, my willingness to do that will help to support the success of the organization. Well, I think one of the strongest characteristics of a leader is going and taking that willingness to that next step and the willingness to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Just being engaged with whatever needs to happen and to never, never be satisfied with where you are now. And it's great to celebrate achievements. It's great to be able to recognize accomplishments, but strong leaders, that willingness and that the, the willingness is broad, right? Willingness to grow, willingness to learn, willingness to strive, um, to stretch themselves, uh, really, really emulates, a characteristic of a strong leader.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was sitting in a classroom working with some folks, uh, last week and, uh, I was talking about, I was talking about goal setting and I said, um, you know, the, the statistics say that the average adult does not have written down actionable goals that they refer to frequently. <laughs> and right. this guy raises his hand and he says, he says, well, isn't it OK to be content? And I said, no, it's, it's not OK to be content. And he said, why not? I said, because we're in business and business must grow. It yes. must get better. I mean, you have to keep up with the what's going on in the economy and the market and that kind of thing. You can never be content. And he was just blown away by that, you know, that we just can't be content. What are, you, what are your thoughts on being content? Because I love what you said. Striving,
0: stretching, learning, growing, never satisfied. Yes. I was so excited no. to hear you say that. No, when, when organizations are content and they stop growing, they stop adapting. And the world around them does not stop. The world around them is not content. There are always new adaptations. There are always new um, technologies coming. There's always something down the pipeline. And so leaders have to be willing to strive for that next thing and to spend time strategizing and thinking about where they are in the market and what what are the trends coming down the, the pipeline and how are they going to adapt to whatever's happening? Um, I get that question a lot. Isn't it okay to just be content? right? And you can be content for a Friday afternoon. Hey, I had a great week. Awesome. That's celebrate that. Absolutely. Big win, awesome, great job. But come Monday, what are are you going to do next? What's going to happen next? Um, Because the strong leaders have people looking to them and they will follow whatever that leader is doing. So if the leader is content, then they get a group of their employees who are also content. And that can be stagnant for the for the company.
1: Absolutely, you know. Twice now, Kelly, you've you've said you know you can stop, you can celebrate. Um, so I'm sensing that this is something that great leaders do. They celebrate. Talk a little bit about this comment
0: you keep making about celebrating. I love it. Yes. So far, too far too often, we are checkbox. Oh, I accomplished that. I got that result. We, yeah we brought in the month. That's fantastic. We need to be able to pause and highlight the good. And what people are doing, it motivates those employees to be able to feel like they are their work is valued. And when when the strong leaders stop and find a way to celebrate that, um, it really is invigorating and it energizes the employees within the organization. Because if if you know sales brought in and hey, you know what they they crushed their number this month. Let's celebrate that. Yay. I mean, fantastic job. We often have this mentality of, well, that's what sales does or that's what that group is supposed to do. But without pausing and recognizing it and saying, you know, you crushed your goal or way to go, you accomplished that. That's the human side of leadership to be able to to recognize that and to be able to have the formal leaders within a company pause and recognize the work that was done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. So uh I'm re- currently right now I'm reading a book. I think it's a pretty old book. It's called Touch Points. And I'm Oh having- yeah, I know the book. You have that book? Okay. And so in there he talks about, you know, that you need to have calendared touch points with people to check in to celebrate. And so um I'm sharing that with a client right now. So everybody go get that book. I think it's so far so good. I love it. All right. Kelly, Kelly says, I got it. So it must be a good one. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So so you work with all sorts of different leaders and so when you when you think about that what are the skill sets that you think people you know leaders need to really hone in on what do they need to be working on or building or edifying in their
0: style and in their leadership? I think across the board one of the top skills of a successful leader is demonstrated emotional intelligence. Being able to break down those key components of emotional intelligence. Um, First, being self-aware, understanding we are all human. We all have our triggers. Anybody that has worked with me knows that if I don't have a Diet Coke in the morning, I'm grouchy, right? And so (laughs) I'm aware, right? I need that. But being self-aware and knowing what my strengths are and knowing Where I need help and being able to recognize those components of who I am. Then, following that is that of self management. So, if I didn't, if I missed my Diet Coke, if I forgot my Diet Coke and I am grumpy, being able to own that and to be able to modify and monitor my behavior um, to be able to say, oh, you know what? I'm feeling grouchy today and I might come off as being a little bit more sensitive or I might be a little bit more harsh than what I normally am. And being able to not, or we're not talking about like minimizing or ignoring the emotion, but really owning the emotion and being able to behave in a way that says, you know, I'm angry and I'm frustrated because we missed that number or I asked you to do that and it wasn't done I can I can communicate my disappointment my anger, my frustration without raising my voice and actually strengthen the relationship with the person that I am engaged with so they feel more confident. Um, we want to make sure that we are creating a culture that allows people to make mistakes it's okay and let's work with it and let's own it. The third component of emotional intelligence is, Social awareness and really being able to recognize if I have an employee who normally comes in upbeat, positive, and today that employee came in, didn't say hi to anybody, that should be a trigger, right? I, I as a leader, need to be attentive and aware and to say, are you okay? I, I just, I, you, you don't seem to be your normal, happy self. Are you okay? Um, and just being able to have the, that social awareness and then the last component of it is relationship management, and this is how do we how do we engage through conflict? How do we demonstrate empathy towards others? Uh, how are we how are we connecting as humans? Uh, again, we have tons of technology at our disposal, but we still need that contact um, in order to in order to really be able to have that strong relationship. And the stronger the relationship between people, the easier it is to get work done.
1: That is 100% correct. All right. She just said, the better the relationship, the more work gets done. All right.
0: Write that down. Maybe put it on yeah. your desk somewhere. <laughs> right. So, so I just... She, an, go ahead. There's an excellent book called The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. Covey. And yep, it. he talks yep. about yep. that. The stronger Here's the, the relationship... Yeah. Yes. You need a huge bookshelf. Um, The stronger the relationship, the easier it is to get business done.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so um, Kelly just downloaded a bunch. So I'm going to do a little quick review, as you know, I like to do. Um, so the number one skill set um, after Kelly has worked with all of these leaders is demonstrated uh, emotional intelligence. And there's four buckets, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. And that t- that that dovetails just beautifully with um, the Touch Points book that we just mentioned a minute ago. And you need to get speed of trust. In fact, if you want, if you will email me at Nicole at Vibrant Coaching, I will send you a little like Cliff Notes version of Speed of Trust. I adore that book too. The 13 Behaviors. Did you hear it? Took her breath away. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I I love it. Yeah. So this is really, really great stuff, right? All right. So I I think one of the things in a speed of trust that I think is is something that um, people that leaders really need to practice is I I call it truth telling, honesty and candor. Uh, Covey calls it straight talk. And I think um, this is something you have to start doing with your employees, like on day one, onboarding day one is like, hey, hey. I want you to be awesome. I want us to be awesome. And in order for us to be awesome, we got to tell each other the truth and give each other a lot of feedback, you know? So let's pinky swear right now that that's what we're (laughs) going to do. And like, here's a little tool. I have a little tool for feedback. I'm curious, uh, do you have
0: kind of a a methodology for feedback that you give to leaders to use? I I do. Um, Before I answer that, the strength, I cannot stress the honesty, candor, enough because the, the stronger the relationship that we have, the easier it is for me to provide that feedback because I know it's coming from a point that is you want what's best for me and I want what's best for you. So if I'm sharing something with you, it enables positive intent. Most of the time when we get feedback, you say, hey, Kelly, can I talk to you for a minute? And I panic. Oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? Am I in trouble? What's, what's happening? But right, the, stronger, right. the stronger the relationship and the, and the deeper the trust that we have, even if you're giving me something, like, even if I did make a mistake, I know you're coming at it from a really positive point and you want me to be successful. Most leaders, when they ask for feedback from somebody, the person on the other side struggles to think. Right. Oh, gosh, I know you're doing everything great. Everything's fantastic. So the methodology that I that I recommend to leaders as they're building that feedback loop is to ask, what should we start doing? What should we stop doing and what should we keep doing? It provides a really nice framework that opens up the door for people to provide feedback because then it doesn't become personal to the leader. Oftentimes, I don't want to tell, I don't want to tell my boss that they're doing anything wrong. But if you, if you frame it in start, stop, keep, that enables, and you get a lot of really great ideas and you get a lot of information that maybe you wouldn't have gotten before.
1: Yeah. And I love what you said about how, if you don't, don't have this relationship, people panic, but you know, I think the complete, 180 from that is also true, to your point, which is if Kelly was going to give me feedback, she'd like, Nicole, I need to give you some feedback on this podcast. And I'd be like, oh... Yeah, I, I know, I know what went wrong. Like, you know, you don't even have to say anything. If you have a strong enough relationship, they're like, Oh, my gosh, you saw it. I I should have said something, you know, and then they, they, people start to confess their quote unquote sins or whatever they've done, or their shortcomings, and they and they'll just tell you, you know, so I, I think that's really, really huge. And, and I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I'm just completely convinced that like onboarding in the first 90 days is like the linchpin of somebody's career inside of a company, you know, it can really determine a lot of success <laughs> or failure, right? Uh, I think it's absolutely huge. So I, I need to do a, a podcast just talking about onboarding people. That's I what know, I need to absolutely. do. All right, but I love this. Her her thing was, don't miss this. If we're thinking, oh my God, what did she say? It was, uh, what do we need to start doing? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to keep doing? All right, so everybody write that down, put it on a sticky note, stick it somewhere so you'll start using that. Put that in your repertoire, as, as they say. Okay, all right, so that's that's an important skill is um, emotional intelligence. And so I love all the goodies that you um, gave us on that one. Um, now, I also know that you are hired and put to work to help people look at diversity equity and inclusion and -hmm. this is a hot 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 topic out there right now Um, and I think a lot of leaders are delving into it before they really know what to do and I think the number one thing you need to do is know why you're doing it Mm -hmm. you know figure out your why Um, but but what what are the skills or things that leaders need to think about if they're if they're going to approach diversity equity inclusion and do a great
0: job of getting it part of their culture how do they do that? It goes right to what you just said. What is their why? Why are they why are they looking at this? Why is this an initiative? When I go into organizations, they tell me, "Oh, we need to be more diverse. We need to be more inclusive." Well, that's great. That's a that's a great objective. How are you going to get there? Why why is that important to you? And really what we start looking at is what are they seeking in a candidate? There is this great quote, and the person that said it, the, the person's name is escaping me right now. Um, but there is a great quote, and I can get the the name of the person if needed. People hire for diversity, but on board for similarity. Oh, well, oh my gosh. Say it again. People what? Organizations hire for diversity, but onboard for similarity. So I might oh hire. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I was the one that said it because um, it's brilliant. But they people, organizations look for diverse candidates. And then as soon as they and, and what you're talking about onboarding in the first 90 days, absolutely will set the tone for that employee's career. And so when organizations are looking to increase diversity, equity, and inclusion, you have to look at how are they hiring? What are what are their what are their criteria? And to be able to look at what they are seeking versus who are they seeking. And if they have clear criteria, and it goes beyond the job description, if they have clear criteria, criteria of what they need in that role, it actually broadens the potential candidate pool. And so inherently, you get more diverse candidates. Okay,
1: so so talk about criteria, because I think people are like, okay, what does she mean by criteria? So um, what you know, we want to do, look for criteria beyond the job description, and it will inherently give us better diversity. What are the criteria? So let's oftentimes let's do customer service. Let's do customer. I'm recruiting right now for customer service people. So yeah. let's talk about that. You help
0: me. <laughs> I am happy to help you, Nicole. All right. So customer service, one of the one of the things on the on the job subscription, you know, good customer service, friendly with clients good communication skills, right? That's that's typically the job description, right? So when you're talking about that criteria, what does it look like? So in your organization, what does good communication look like? Is it written? Is it verbal? Is it both, right? So so as you are looking for diverse candidates, or as you're looking for the criteria, you want to look at who in your organization is already doing it well and to be able to give language to that, to say, you know what? Good communication means candid, candor, honest, straight talk, right? To be able to give feedback in that moment. And so when you start to break down the be- like what behavior are you looking for? Then you can automatically go and build your interview questions around that. And you can say, tell me about a time where you had to give somebody really honest feedback. And so now you're hiring to the criteria that you're seeking.
1: Okay, fantastic. All right, so I I love what you said. You know, um, I have done a process in the past of, you said somebody who's already already doing this well. Um, I always ask folks, um, maybe this will just reinforce what Kelly just said is, you know, who's your MVP? Mm -hmm. You know, you think of that position, who's your MVP? And then let me go hang out with that person and let's figure out, you know, what are the, you know, the unique abilities of that particular person. All right. I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, the strategy of um, doing DEI. So you said, you know, um, the questions we need to ask are, why is this important to you? Why are what you know what are you seeking in a candidate and then hire for diversity and onboard for similarity? Genius. And what are the criteria you're seeking? Okay, so let's say that we have this great person on board they, they they are somebody who is has these unique abilities mm-hmm. um, fits the, fits the mold perfectly uh, miraculously they say yes to us in this in this little market where it's hard to find anybody to work uh, right now it seems like it's a right. challenge right a lot of people to find people. Um, yes. so how do how do
0: I onboard them for similarity? What does that look like? Well actually you don't want to onboard them for similarity. You want, you want to celebrate their diversity. So what I, what I stated earlier is I will hire a diverse candidate, but as soon as I bring that person in, I will try to acclimate them to make them like me versus celebrating why I hired them in the first place, right? I was working with an executive who brought in a, he brought, he hired a black male, for a senior leadership role and as I was coaching this new candidate I was he the candidate told me is like yeah they want me to say things that it doesn't sound like me but they want me to stick to the script so it's really about celebrating and how do you how do you bring in and maintain that diverse candidate versus trying to assimilate them to the kind of the same old culture that you've always had right you''re, you're we are we are de and I work is absolutely exploding but it it has to go beyond geographic demographic diversity it's really about infusing different thinking and being able to celebrate how that person thinks differently why that person, thinks the way that he or she thinks and really being able to ask questions and being able to, when you're talking about the inclusion component of it, really being able to hear all the different voices.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we, when you said that about hire for diversity onboarding for similarity, the thing that came into my mind was um, that, well, you know, I, I have a friend who, who has traveled the whole world, and I'm okay. extremely jealous. I just have to say that oh I'm jealous. She knows who <laughs> she is. So, so Go she goes all these places, all over all over the planet. I mean, she's been to all seven continents, the whole shebang, Antarctica. Oh, that's shebang. awesome. Oh, it's crazy. So she, she says, and she's a Rotarian. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Rotary. But mm-hmm. um, rot- Rotary is all over the planet. And so she's an amazing Rotarian. But she said to me, uh, you know, Nicole, no matter who I strike a conversation up with, no matter what part of the planet I'm on, no matter who is sitting in front of me, um, we always have something in common. And um, I think I think the thing about, you know, hiring for diversity, but onboarding for similarity is like, you know, the minute I find. Um, common ground with somebody I'm not the exact same as you I celebrate your diversity but we have something in common and then that pulls the teamwork together right because uh, when you when I read that you were from Michigan I was like oh I'm gonna love Kelly. I mean, like there's just something that bubbled up inside of me because it's like I understand machine. I've been there, I live there. So I, I think that's really cool. But I love what you're saying about understanding why a person thinks the way they think and that they have
0: different thinking because that that is the part about not being content, right? Yes, yes, and so and so you are absolutely right. It is in it is human nature to find what we have in common, right? That's how that's how humans connect. Is to yeah. be able to say, oh, you know, and when you mentioned that you were from Michigan, I wanted to ask a million questions about, oh, are you familiar with this place? And right, because that that's that's human nature. But really D E and I work is really about being comfortable when there are no commonalities or when when I want to when I want to focus on what makes us different versus connecting and finding that, right? So there's that there's a really delicate balance because we have to we have to connect in order to build the trust and do all the things that we were talking about. But I also want to I also need to be able to hold space to be curious about how are we different.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. I totally agree because um I think the experience of hearing somebody else's background where they came from it can really broaden your thinking right that's why you have to have the other person's kind of thinking Uh, i'm actually coaching uh somebody right now who is from uh south korea and so she was telling me her story like i cannot relate to her story i mean i can't Mm -hmm. imagine the stuff that she has experienced but um the other thing that i think happens with uh, diversity inclusion is like uh when i heard her story although i cannot relate to it and i've never been to korea i have so much respect for what she's been through and, you know, how she is, how she is, how she was developed into the woman that she is today, because it is so different, you know. So I do think I love what you said. It's a delicate balance. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 keeping um, that open mind mindset, you know, that that you can learn from other people and you can respect where they where they come from, what they've experienced and how they think. Absolutely.
0: All right. Yeah, I love so that. it's okay. going beyond what we have it's going beyond what we have in common and starting to press into where are we different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then how we can learn uh, from
1: each other in that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I do think that sometimes if the problems we that, that have brought on this pressing uh, need for DEI out there in the world is because we've been content with the way that we think. And we don't, we can't be convinced differently. We have biases in place, right? <laughs> we can't Absolutely. get past. And so we got to like, wake up, smell the coffee, as my daddy would say. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So so before we, I don't want to stop talking about DEI, if you have other things
0: that you want to share about that, because I love what you're saying. You know, the the, the topic is, is, I'll just leave um, the DE and I topic on this, really being able to be inclusive, being able to provide, you know equity is not equal, right? Because everybody comes from like we don't we, we don't want it to just be all the same, right? I don't I don't want the trophy because everybody gets a trophy. But I want the same opportunity to win the trophy that everybody else has and that's really where equity comes in. Inclusion is about what we exactly what we were talking about which is I want to connect with you on our similarities, but I want to hear where we're different and being able to share our different thoughts and have it be great. Right? Just like you were talking about your client from South Korea where you can't relate but i'm sure you were just fascinated in hearing oh, everything right and just kind of leaning into the conversation and saying oh my gosh i that's a, like that's amazing and you almost want them to just keep talking a lot of times we only want to hear people that think like us and inclusion is about listening to people that think differently than us and having a safe space to understand their thoughts, their perspective and where they're coming from. Um, And then that, like I said, the diversity has to go beyond a demographic diversity, but really being able to celebrate those differences.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love it. I think you guys got downloaded big time stuff right there too. So equity is not equal. Uh, I don't want the same trophy as everybody else, but I want the opportunity to get the trophy the opportunity to win the trophy. I love okay. that. That is a very good example. And then the inclusion is we, we, we touch base, we understand our similarities, but we're open to hearing how people are different. And, you know, the thing that I talk about all the time with leaders is I say, you know, we all have blind spots and those blind spots, um, you don't know they're there until you hit the car next to you. <laughs> you right. don't know the car is there till you hit it. And so um, getting your head wrapped around um, the skills and the strategy of DE&I is absolutely essential before you hit the car. You know, so you, you've got to wake up and understand that this is a, an important um, skill set of a successful leader is to look at it, understand it. So I love that. Yeah. So meet yeah. up with Ms. Kelly so she can
0: help you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And I was going to say and ask questions. Our blind spots are our blind spots because other people see them, but we don't. Right. Just like you were saying, I don't see the car until I hit it. Right. Well, I'll be proactive and ask if anybody else sees the car. That's right. That's right. Is there
1: anybody in the right lane? Does anybody right. see anything? I get over right now. You say you already do
0: this. Can I get over? Hopefully you do that. Can I get over? <laughs> right. Right. So ask ask. I encourage leaders to ask the people around them. What do they see that maybe I'm not seeing?
1: Yeah. What are you seeing? I'm not seeing. OK, I collect powerful questions. So I'm writing that one down. What are you seeing that? I am not seen. And I would suggest to all my listeners out there, hello, um, that you start collecting powerful questions. In fact, um, Kelly, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Bob Tede, uh T-E-I-D-E. And he was on the, the, the podcast and he, that his, his entire subject is about ask, leaders asking questions. <laughs> so you would adore him. He has a bunch of, if you'll go to his list. website, everybody, go check him out. He has free stuff, all sorts of free questions. You can start your collection with Bob's collection. That, that would be an amazing collection to start with. So that's awesome. All right. So um, let me ask you this. Why do you believe some leaders are successful while others struggle? You know, so people on the struggle bus, they don't know what, how to get off. How do they get off?
0: Uh, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Don't be content. Be willing to grow. Oftentimes, though, well, those leaders who are most successful are never content. They always want to learn the next thing. They all they have a they have a going back to again to what we were talking about earlier with the willingness they're, they're willing to, to try. They're try. They're willing to, to risk and they're willing to fail. And it's okay. Uh, oftentimes those leaders who do struggle, I would encourage them to take a look at, again, going back to self-awareness. Are they content? Right? Are they are they just resting on their laurels and saying, hey, we we crushed this month? let's see what happens next month, right? Or are they constantly pushing themselves and those around them?
1: Yeah, and I, 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 my personal experience has been that I love being around people who are like, you know what we could do? We could do this. How do you think we ought to do it? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's a much more uh, exciting uh, eight hours flies by kind of day than just keep what you're doing. <laughs> you <know>? so, <laughs> just keep yeah. going. Whatever you're doing yeah. is fine. I mean, I would rather be around a leader who is in there like saying, you know, I think you have genius. Help me figure out how to figure this, this thing out. You know, Absolutely. I
0: think that's important. All right. right. Let's be pushing those boundaries of what's capable, what you're capable of. <laughs>
1: A hundred percent. You know, and, and that's the thing. Um, I, I, I work inside a lot of organizations. Like I work in some government spots. I work in some police departments and fire departments and and maybe uh, organizations that are like um, kind of, you know, um, slow to change, banking, things like that. You know, it's like yes. very institutionalized stuff. And yes. um, I think that they're they get very comfortable, you know, if you have a five-year, 10-year, 15, 20, 25-year career, that is really where you need that self-awareness piece from emotional intelligence. It's like, right. you know, you need to wake up and understand that you've, you've got to be in a new place. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, as you're working with different leaders out there, um, you know, what are they calling you for? What are the challenges they're
0: facing? And what what solutions do you have for them? Yeah. So, the, the biggest challenge is that, I think most leaders are facing right now are the DE&I. How do they do it? What does it look like? Um, and the great, the, the the best leaders develop a strategy and oh, by the way, it includes DE&I, right? If, if leaders try to strategize specifically for DE&I, It's not really becoming embedded into the culture, but leaders need to create a culture that inherently incorporates the DEI and all of what we all of what we are talking about. I think I think the DEI work is probably one of the top reasons why we're called into an organization, coupled by just. Leadership development, willingness to learn, um, willingness to grow, being able to uh, not, being able to challenge the status quo, and to be able to say, "Where do we go next? What is it that we do?" I think I would encourage your listeners to really self-check their empathy. It is it is a difficult time where. People are really struggling to find employees Um, across the board. There is a severe shortage of workers, and it it causes a very stressful culture. It causes a very difficult environment. And the, the best leaders will be empathetic to the people that do show up.
1: Yeah, and so let's talk about empathy for just a second, because I think sometimes it's misunderstood. (laughs) It's not feeling sorry for people. I mean, because that's what I think people think is they're like, why should I feel sorry for them they're working for me you know it's yeah. like hold on hold on hold on that's not that's not empathy okay that's called yeah. feeling sorry for somebody <laughs> it's a different thing all right yeah. so so define empathy for us so we can get our heads wrapped around what you're saying um it's a very difficult environment it's stressful they may be pulling the load of two three people um so we have to be empathetic tell me how i do that as a leader
0: empathy is really walking with the person and hearing, mm-hmm. hearing, really listening to what that person is telling you. The, the flip side of empathy is often referred to as sympathy, right? And I can be, and that's, you know, feeling sorry. And I'm sorry that you're going through that. Um, oftentimes when people are sympathetic, they actually take away from the person. So if you tell me that, oh, you're really having a bad day, I'll say, you know what, Nicole, I know, I hear you. I'm having a bad day too. And I just swooped right in, right? To be empathetic, it's more about leaning in and saying, tell me more about your bad day. What is going on? And then the very empathetic leaders uh, will come in and say, how can I help you? What is it that I can do um, versus, well, I know, why don't you just take the rest of the day off? Well, maybe I don't want to take the rest. Maybe I want to work or I can't take the rest of the day off. or, uh, But really being able to just hold space for that person to share with you whatever they want to share with you and have it be okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so uh, Kelly
1: is sounding like a coach right now and I love it because she's saying hold the space, hold the space. Okay. And so, um, well, first of all, let me say that she says empathy is slowly listening. And number two, asking how can I help? And three, holding the space. So that's almost like a little formula. Nicole Greer likes little formulas and strategies and systems and smarts. And so everybody write that down. Empathy is listening, asking how I can help and holding the space, but I like you to talk just a wee bit about holding space, if you would. Like, tell me okay. what that looks like, because that's like real
0: coachy and I love it. It is. I, I do slip into my coaching mode. Uh, it's really, <laughs> <laughs> it's the the holding space is the skill to to just let it be okay if there's silence. Oftentimes when people are upset or there's something going on, I want to fill the quiet because it's uncomfortable. You want to be able to have it be okay. And when I am working with somebody, there might be pockets of time where neither of us are saying anything and that's okay. Because the other person might need an opportunity to formulate thoughts, to reflect on whatever they're struggling with. Uh, And so instead of me peppering you with questions, I might ask you something, but then I need to be quiet.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so, you know, when I was coming up in my coaching program, um, they're like, don't be co- so quick to fix people. We don't yeah. fix people. Uh, people don't need fixing uh, most definitely. of the time. They just need that. Don't miss this. The listening and some help, right? Like, so ask, how can I help you instead of offering all of your genius quasi therapy or whatever you uh, can really. offer them? <laughs> and then I love you know, will you, will you, will you uh, feel like you have to fill the quiet, right? Holding the silence. And then another thing I was taught that, um, that I think is really important for holding space is um, no advising without permission. And so when I first heard that, I was like, oh, well, aren't they coming to me for advice? Answers no. <laughs> it's just no. And so you say, after you've listened, after you've asked some powerful questions and held the space and uh asked how you can help and all of those other kind of things and done some fantastic active listening uh then you can say well i have an idea would you like it yeah. you know it, but this is after a considerable amount of holding the space time right? right that's when you can offer your genius all right so i love that holding the space all right fantastic all right so Uh, you know, we're at the top of the hour already. I cannot believe it. Um, But Kelly, I want to ask you this. Um, uh, If you uh, were mentoring a single special listener right now, and they thought, oh my gosh, this Kelly gal is smart as a whip. And I want to understand something uh, more from her. She'll download one more piece of genius. What one piece of leadership advice would you give them?
0: Don't be afraid to ask a question.
1: Okay talk about that you're saying my song
0: over there don't be don't be afraid oftentimes there's this um, and again it goes back to the beginning of our conversation with my definition of leadership how I would define mm-hmm. leadership and it's about influence And so I don't need a title to lead. Um, and so oftentimes there is a dynamic between the individual contributor, and the formal leader of an organization. And I might, as an individual contributor, have a great idea. And I come and I say, Nicole, I've got this great idea. And you say, that's wonderful. And then I wait for your direction. And you're waiting for me to act. And so there's this impasse. And well, why hasn't this idea come to fruition? So when I, when I talk about don't be afraid to ask, my, my philosophy in leadership is always ask for forgiveness versus beg for permission. Oh, I think I'm in that camp too. We're the yeah. same. Yeah. So go ahead and say, you know what, Nicole, I have a great idea. Can I go ahead and, and work on this over here? And then don't be afraid to lead. Go ahead. And like my, my philosophy is always, I always keep moving until somebody tells me to stop. And it's amazing how far you can get because the people, people, organizations want people who are willing to step up and to be able to do what needs to get done. And if they've got a brilliant idea, the organization wants that brilliant idea to come to fruition.
1: 100%. And yeah. right before you said the word willing, I was just like chomping at the bit to say, you know, when you said, you said also... I just keep on going until they tell me to stop. And, and the thing is, that keeping on going thing is active willingness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, that keeping on going thing. And I think why nobody is saying anything. They're not saying great job or not great job. They're just shocked. <laughs> that you took this on and you're doing something about a problem there it's almost like whoa wait I didn't t- did you yeah. tell her to do it? I didn't tell her to do that and then here you go off fixing this issue um and so then it then probably the reason they're going to stop you is like how did you know this needed to be done who told you to do it? you know like for whatever reason they might jump in with their rules and regulations and whatever but you said, oh well I just saw the need for somebody to t- take yep. action. So I did. And so that, did. That, that's really what the world needs more of is the willingness yep. to, let's go back to Mike Kernacki and his definition to do what needs to be done without reservation, refusal, or judgment. Just get her done, right? I love get it. Done. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is beautiful. Okay. All right. So that is just pure downloaded genius for you special listener out there. Um, Kelly, I know people want to know how to get up with you. They want to ask you questions about emotional intelligence. They want to ask you about how to get D, E, and I as part of their strategic plan moving forward. How do they get a hold of you?
0: The best way to connect with me is through LinkedIn.
1: Okay, fantastic. All right. And hey, everybody, let me give it to you right now. Uh, it is LinkedIn.com and then it's Kelly Beatty. So it's K E L L Y B E A T T I E 1 S T S T A R. Let me repeat the part after Kelly Beatty One S T A R. T-A-R and she will be right there. So look up Kelly on LinkedIn, right LinkedIn there. with her. Keller, I heard you on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. Let her know where you came from. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much for being with me. If you ever come down to uh, near Charlotte, North Carolina, will you please look me up? And when I come to
0: I, Michigan, I'm gonna I'm gonna be calling you. So be expecting that, okay? Please do. I would love that. I would love to yeah. continue to connect. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a wonderful t- conversation.
1: All right, fantastic. All right, everybody, we'll check you out later. Thanks for listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast.
0: Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx Talk at NicoleGreer.com.